Hello and welcome to Parley, the Hindus' weekly discussion podcast. I'm Abdul Salam, your host for today. Hi, welcome everyone. Uh, this week's Parley is uh, on the theme: Should elected legislators only be eligible for chief ministership? The topic comes in the wake of the sudden exit of uh, Mr. Tirath Singh Rawat as the chief minister of Uttarakhand. Uh, a development his party sought to explain in terms of a constitutional roadblock to him being elected as a legislator within six months. Uh, there's been another incident uh, in the recent past, about a year ago, where uh, the in, the Maharashtra Chief Minister Uddhav Thackeray also ran very close to the deadline uh, to being elected. Uh, in fact, he finally got through as a nominated MLC just ten days before the deadline was supposed to expire. Uh, we also have an impending scenario of uh, Mamata Banerjee needing to get elected within the next three months, uh, within the next four months, uh, failing which she would also have to relinquish her post. Uh, with me uh, is Mr. S. Y. Kureshi, who served as the 17th Chief Election Commissioner of India from July 2010 to June 2012, and Mr. M. R. Madhavan, the President and Co-Founder of PRS Legislative Research. Uh, to start off the discussion. Uh, should chief ministers be mandatorily picked from the pool of elected MLAs, or at the very least, should a member of parliament resign immediately from the house if he or she is picked to lead the state? Uh, let's start with uh, Mr. Madhavan here. Let's look at the uh, look at it from first principles of how the constitution is structured. Uh, we have a parliamentary democracy, which essentially means that whoever has the confidence of the majority of members of Lok Sabha for uh, for the central government in the case of the center and the legislative assembly in the case of the state will be the prime minister or the chief minister. That's what it essentially says, and it also requires that all ministers should be a member of the par- member of parliament or member of the assembly, assembly or council, member of the legislature. Uh, in case somebody is not a member. That person can be made a minister, provided they are elected within six months. Rather, it actually puts it in negative terms. It says anybody who is a minister and is not a member for six months automatically stands disqualified from the ministership. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, so, what does this visualize? It visualizes the chief minister as being elected by the members of the house of their own free will. And it assumes the chief minister. I mean, though it doesn't explicitly say that, assumes that the chief minister is a member because it's um, you usually would not get somebody from outside. That's at least I guess what they thought of. Okay. There are of course exceptional circumstances, especially for ministers. That's why they can. And one can let 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 me take one fairly non-controversial name. Okay, uh, Dr. Manmohan Singh in 1991, when there was a crisis and Mr. Narasimha wanted him as a finance minister, was made the finance minister, and of course, as a national, I mean, was that national public good? In hindsight, we would say yes. Okay, uh, and he was eventually made a member. In the case of chief minister, it becomes slightly dicier because you are actually saying that the person who is heading the government can that person be outside? And for this, I would actually look at the way. Our polity has evolved, especially the way parties have evolved 
and the constitution has evolved in the last 70 years. Uh, in some part, I mean, in most parties, uh, there is very little freedom that members of the parties have, especially legislators have. And uh, this has been happening for the last four decades or so, four or five decades, that there is a party high command which decides who will become the chief minister. And this is especially for the national parties or parties which are in multi-states. So, just imagine a situation where the party high command says some person X is going to be the chief minister, the governor swears in the chief minister, somebody challenges and there is a confidence or a no confidence vote. The party issues a whip to all its members. They have to vote in favor of this person. They don't have a choice at the pain of losing their membership to the house. So effectively you have removed the uh, whole concept of the person being the popular choice of the elected people. So the chief minister is an indirectly elected person by the directly elected members. But now the chief minister dictates who, how each of those persons will vote because with the anti-reflection. So we have weakened that accountability mechanism drastically. What is the way out? Not very clear unless you are looking at the anti-reflection part because otherwise you can't get somebody outside. The second part of your question, at least in my mind, is much clearer, which is that if you look at various other parts of the constitution, it's clear that it does. It expects a person not to hold two constitu uh, constitutional positions at the same point of time. So, if you look at Article 101, if a person is a member of both houses of parliament, loses membership of one. Membership of one. If a member is an MP and gets elected as an MLA or vice versa, loses one of them and has about 14 days to resign from uh, to choose effectively. So, there is a small time given. But the idea is you can't be a member of both. Okay. Or even let's say the governor. So yes, for example, just yesterday or a couple of days back, some of the, mem I mean, including some ministers, uh, like Mr. Towers in Gailod, uh, he was made a governor. He was So he has to resign his Rajya Sabha seat. He can't be a member of Rajya Sabha and the governor of the state. He has to resign from Rajya Sabha. Unfortunately, we haven't, done that for a minister of a state and a member of parliament. We ought to have done that. And that has led to a lot of issues. Firstly, uh, who is this person accountable to? And what is this person's role? As a member of parliament and a non-minister member of parliament, a key role is to hold the government of the day to account and to represent the people of that person's constituency. You are primarily a legislator. When you become the chief minister, you are the head of the executive of that state and your primary job is to run that state's government. Which of them are you going to do? And there could be contradictions between the two. So which one of you going to handle? So it's fairly untenable that you can do both. And just as an aside, you would remember that old incident where Mr. Vajpayee lost his uh, the, the 13-month NDA government it lost its uh, confidence vote by one vote and Mr. Giridhar Gamang, who was a member of parliament of the Congress party, was also the chief minister of Orissa, but he had 
not yet been elected to that state's MLA and could vote in the confidence vote. And there was actually a controversy over that. So what is his primary role? Is it to vote as a member of parliament or is it to be in the state and attend the state's legislature and be accountable to the state legislature? So in that, at least, I think we should definitely amend the constitution to say that if you are going to be the chief minister or a minister of a state, you should resign your membership of another house if it's in a different state or parliament. Otherwise, it's quite untenable. Mr. Qureshi, what do you think about uh, Mr. Badhavan's suggestion that there you know, be a constitutional amendment regarding this? Yeah, I think uh, that's a very important point because Gidhar Gomango case, for instance, is a, a typical case where he was a member of both houses which should not be allowed. Uh, why even 14 days? Uh, even lesser, but anyway, even if it is 14 days, so that is uh, one issue. But perhaps the topic for today is more relevant to a non-elected chief minister having to get elected within six months. As, as I understand, that is the purpose of this discussion today. So I'll take it back to that. Uh, Mr. Madhavan did mention in 1991 when Dr. Manmohan Singh came as finance minister and he had to find a birth in the Rajya Sabha uh, within six months, which he, he did. But we must all, even more important was Mr. Narsimha himself that he became the Prime Minister without being a member of either house and he had to get elected as a Lok Sabha or Rajya Sabha member within six months and there is a side story to this that he was having a tiff with Mr. T. N. Session because Mr. Sreen Session wanted money for a voter ID card and the government was not conceding. So Mr. Session said, all right, I will not conduct elections. Now, immediately the government came down on its feet because if uh, Narsimha Rao was not elected, the government would have fallen. So immediately the, Mr. Narsimha Rao fell in line and he conceded whatever Session wanted. And then the uh, rest is history, uh, Mr. Narsimha Rao got elected. And as Madhavan was saying that uh, with hindsight, we see that when Mohan Singh coming in was in public interest, he proved right. And so was uh, Narsimha Rao. He proved to be a very, very successful prime minister. So in any case, whether it's a good thing or bad thing, uh, that is not the, the issue for us to decide because framers of the constitution provided for this fresh air coming from outside uh, if need be. Uh, with the condition that within six months they need to get elected, I think it's a it's a good enough uh, it's a good uh, provision. And personally, I feel we don't need to tinker with it uh, because it uh, does restrict uh, uh, options. Uh, of course, this option should be used intelligently and uh, with awful honesty, and not just to tinker with the politics. That is my suggestion. Yeah, so you want the door to remain open for lateral entry, which is a fair point. Yes, but they should be, but they should be used sparingly. Yeah. So coming specifically, you know, like pirouetting back to the present, specifically in uh, the Uttarakhand Chief Minister's case, and as he cited, you know, uh, it was a constitutional crisis that prevented his continuance in office. Uh, was his election as MLA a constitutional impossibility, Mr. Qureshi? Yeah, no, no. I think. Uh, 
that was pointed out earlier this it has been happening regularly in the previous years that within six months the chief minister gets elected and mr thakre's case was similar that if he was not elected to either house he would have lost his office and which means the government would have fallen now the chief minister uttarakhand could have easily contested the election and i personally feel that the excuse that you know in the times of covid that we are so re- so responsible that we uh, it will not be advisable to conduct election therefore i am resigning i think it is a very flimsy excuse it's a, uh, and it's a build up for something more serious and sinister according to me uh, to create a precedent for uh, as somebody mentioned uh, west bengal so uh, now the, one by election uh, would not be possible in covid whereas entire west bengal election was held in covid entire bihar election was held in covid and very very well done election and what uh, now west bengal election i find nothing wrong with west bengal election except and uh, uh, election commission uh, issued guidelines for uh, uh, covid guidelines for before the bihar election which were beautiful guidelines based on global experience in fact election commission consulted uh, its global counterparts uh, particularly south korea to see how they had done it now having done bigger election like bihar having done west bengal election like bihar what has stopped the uh, election commission from doing an election for a by election in uttarakhand so when you say there is you know something more sinister at work uh, what is it that you indicating you know because I, my feeling is that uh, a situation may be created when by election in bengal will not be held so just as the thakre's election was not being held and when thakre wrote to the prime minister and prime minister uh, gave a nudge so uh, immediately situation changed uh, everybody about, forgot about covid and the election was held so personally i feel that uh, uh this uh, uttarakhand should not be considered a kind of a precedent on which basis similar situation we created in west bengal that you know because of covid we should it will be dangerous to hold a by election it will be absolutely wrong because what had gone wrong in west bengal was uh, nothing wrong with the guidelines guidelines were perfect the what we failed in was in implementation we didn't implement you know huge public meetings were, were taking place repeatedly and only when prime minister's uh, public meetings ended within half an hour or one hour suddenly it occurred to the election commission that now public meeting should not be allowed for everybody now public meeting should have been banned for everybody from the beginning so long as they are banned for everybody it is fair because the rules of the game apply to all parties uh, so you don't think the uh, not the elections in march to me uh, this year were hasty it was just a question of uh, not sticking to the covid protocols as laid down by the election commission correct also you know that just one thing you know the very fact that the chief minister was appointed just a couple of months ago now uh, didn't we have covid then so uh, at that time because it has nothing to do with covid it is uh, some kind of a deeper political calculation uh, which led to the developments in uh, uttarakhand covid is just an excuse covid was there two months ago also didn't they anticipate that he will have to get elected in the thick of covid uh, mr badavan uh, like just picking up from where mr kureshi uh, left off uh, 
So Mamata Banerjee has four months left to get elected as an MLA. And uh, uh, in fact, several opposition leaders too from the state have suggested that uh, Mr. Rawat's case actually portends a similar predicament for her. Uh, is there reason to worry for her? I don't know. In the sense, that, I mean, the constitutional position is clear, right? I mean, in the sense, if she doesn't get elected, she can't be the chief minister. And so I would say, I mean, Mr. Qureshi is the right person because he has held that post, uh, that it is the job of the Election Commission of India and not of anyone else at all to ensure that there is no constitutional crisis. That would actually be my uh, view, but I would let I, I, I mean I would defer to Mr. Qureshi because he has held the top job there. Let me add one point. Just let us pause about the state and this particular crisis for a minute. Let's visualize that general elections are being for the country, let us say, but something like let's assume that this was two zero two four and not zero two zero two one. The five-year term of the Prime Minister ends. In the case of a state, the constitution still permits stopgap things like a president, uh, president's rule, etc. What would you have done for national general elections if they were due this year in the middle of COVID? You would have had to have the elections, right? Do we have a choice? So why not do it now for the by-elections? So, Mr. Qureshi, do you think there's reason to worry for uh, Mamata Banerjee with just four months left? I have a hunch that uh, is, uh, the way things are brewing, they, uh, they are not well-intentioned. I hope uh, my apprehension is uh, just an imagination and that doesn't turn out to be correct. Because election must be held, otherwise there will be a constitutional crisis and uh, it will be uh, uh, humanly created rather than a... Uh, the gift of the constitution. Uh, after all, a huge election was conducted uh, in Bengal recently. All went well. I don't think West Bengal, even uh, big gatherings or the public meetings uh, led to uh, a, a complete uh, explosion of uh, uh, COVID cases. I don't think it happened. It may have added to some numbers. But that was obvious when it, the public meeting were happening. We were all expressing our concern. Okay, what the hell is happening? Why are you allowing such huge meeting? And uh, in fact, surprisingly, the prime minister, instead of uh, getting concerned, looking at those crowds uh, in violation of the, his own guidelines of, for the whole country, he was uh, showing his excitement. Oh, I've never seen such crowd. He was excited like a child. So what, what was this? It was happening in front of everybody's eyes. So those public meetings were the only thing undesirable, which should have been banned and which eventually were banned. It should have been done earlier. So uh, with the COVID guidelines, the implementation ensured there is nothing to stop election commission from conducting the, the, the by-election for Mamta Banerjee. Uh, I'll just uh, pick up from where Mr. Madhavan spoke about the national scenario and you know the term of the parliament uh, coming to an end, what do you do then? Uh, so given the extraordinary circumstances uh, of uh, a pandemic raging since early last year, uh, should we as a polity be flexible on constitutional and legislative deadlines? I would say that you cannot defer the elections. You'll have to hold them in some manner. I mean, remember the US did that because 
if you say that under extraordinary circumstances, uh, the constitutional requirement of parliament ending in five years and elections held by them could be deferred, then you will find people figuring out ways to create extraordinary situations more and more often. They become ordinary. I mean, to me, the problem is when you create exceptions and allow these sort of exceptions to the rule, the exceptions tend to become misused more and more and end up becoming the rule. So I, on certain things, I would draw a hard line and say no exceptions. Mr. Qureshi, should we be flexible? No, no, the, I don't think uh, election commission has the choice because if election is not held, it leads to constitutional crisis. And election commission's job is to ensure that there is no constitutional crisis instead of creating one. So now the uh, you know under section 151A of the Representation of People Act, uh, it is provided that if only one year is left of a house, the by-election will not be held. Uh, but it is uh, actually at the, uh, the discretion of the election commission to make an exception, and they have been making exception only for the chief minister. Because, you know, in a house of 200, 300, suppose three, four vacancies are there. So heavens are not falling. Nothing is uh, happening except maybe the constituency goes unrepresented. But if chief minister doesn't get elected, he has to resign and the government falls. Now, the uh, government being allowed to fall because the election commission says I cannot hold the election. That will be the very unbecoming of an election commission. Now, section 151A uh, subsection uh, the pro proviso B. I'm very worried about the, that proviso B. The election commission, in consultation with the central government, certify that it is difficult to hold the by election within the said period. I hope uh, we don't reach that. During the by uh, the by uh, the elections that uh, recently happened, uh, we had uh, those stinging remarks uh, by the Madras High Court on you know the procedures not being followed uh, you said mr qureshi that the guidelines were all in place uh, but couldn't the commission have enforced them better uh, did it miss did it miss something there that is exactly what i'm saying that is exactly what i'm saying that election commission guidelines were beautiful because by then they had the global experience of 70 countries which had uh, had conducted elections in the thick of uh, COVID and had done it very well. India uh, learned a lot from all of them and then it formulated its own guidelines, uh, which was, uh, uh, I think, ordered in August of uh, 2019, or was it 2019? And uh, uh, it was, uh, the, they should have been implemented. Uh, implementation was lacking. Now, the huge, even at that time, there was a restriction on uh, the size of the public meeting. Now, and uh, uh, that was being violated uh, left, right and center. So why was election commission not uh, looking at those violations? And why did it not come down heavily, which it finally did, which means it had the power. So then why was it uh, just watching silently? So therefore, uh, uh, to sum up, the uh, by-election must be held with the guidelines and there should be a ban on public meeting because that is the only security risk uh, of COVID and uh, once it is implemented strictly and across the board for all parties, nobody has any reason to complain because uh, free, uh, you know, 
the, the level playing field is what has to be ensured. So rules apply to all parties. There should be no exception to anyone. Mr. Madhavan, uh, do you agree uh, with some of the criticism that was leveled by the Madras High Court? More than that, I think there is a much deeper crisis. What is the absolute core in a democracy? It is that, okay, I may have voted for X, but if Y has, someone else has won the election, I would still have to accept that person as the winner because more people have voted and I believe and, and I agree that more people have voted. So there is a legitimacy of the government being formed in a free and fair election and everybody subscribes to that and that's why we work. If that legitimacy is undermined, we are in deep crisis. What does that legitimacy rest on? It rests on public belief and public trust in the election commission of India holding free and fair elections and not being swayed by anyone else. Now, to me, the deep crisis is that the election commission has been a very trusted institution for a fairly long time now. Is that public trust getting weaker or not? That's a big question. And if it is seen, even if, I mean, they, they should be seen to be uh, a credible, impartial institution. And if questions arise in the minds of the public, of course, politicians will raise questions, the losers will raise questions, and people, as long as people don't believe the accusations, you're fine, in, or insinuations, you're fine. But if people start believing that, then you are getting into a deep crisis in our the whole working of our democracy. So it is goes beyond one election or something like that. It's core to so institutions like the election commission, institutions like the Supreme Court, their entire uh, they essentially live on the fact that people believe them to be independent and impartial. And if they lose that, or if their credibility weakens, we as a country are in deep trouble. And that is actually my concern: is that are we moving there? That's a very important point uh, you've raised, uh, and I'll uh, flip it back to Mr. Qureshi. The question of institutional resilience. Uh, so, what more uh, can be done to insulate bodies such as the Election Commission from being seen as susceptible to external pressures? Well, you know, that's a very important thing because the Election Commission has a constitution has designed it to be insulated from the government. And uh, which is why the once appointed the CEC ca, uh, cannot be removed except through impeachment. Now, there are two reforms which we have been uh, uh, shouting for, for uh, even the serving CECs in the past. Uh, that our system of appointment is the most powerful commission in the world has the most defective system of appointment. Government of the day, the executive appoints uh, without consulting the opposition. Nowhere in the world the, such a situation exists. The opposition is always consulted. In some countries, there is a whole scrutiny by parliament. In some cases, the, you know, in, uh, candidates are interviewed by parliament and it is live telecast for the nation to see here quietly the government of the day appoints you. I have been a beneficiary of that uh, system. But even as CEC, I have protested about it because I would have felt stronger if the leader of opposition was also signatory to my appointment. You know, the, anything which uh, creates uh, uh, in public mind uh, trust and faith in that institution is important. 
So it is a different matter that for 60, 65 years, all the election commissioners appointed through this route performed very well. They were very, very fair. Uh, and we hope that it will continue to uh, happen. But uh, uh, I would like to say that hope is not a strategy. A strategy has to be to have a system in place. And the systemic change that we are pleading is that the appointment should be through a collegium appointment of the election commissioner. Now that we have multiple members, the two, uh, the all commissioners should be appointed by collegium and the promotion should be automatic by uh, on the basis of seniority. So that will take care of that. And secondly, the removal procedure of the two election commissioners, they are not protected. Now, if they're not protected, so, you know, they feel they're on probation. They're always looking over their shoulder. Oh, is the government happy with me or not? Will I be elevated or not? Now, that fear is absolutely dangerous and disastrous. So that protection has to be provided. And we have been crying ourselves hoarse for years and years, but nothing is moving. You know, such an important uh, thing of a national interest uh, and uh, government, uh, government after government. I'm not talking about the current government, government after government for the last 20 years have not paid any heed to this extremely important and critical uh, uh, issue. And even the, it has gone to the Supreme Court and Supreme Court has also not cleaned the issue despite its uh, grave importance. Mr. Madhavan, uh, do you agree on a more consultative process, uh, if not a collegium? Yeah, definitely. Because let me put it this way. Today, the CBI director is appointed by a committee which includes the chief justice, the prime minister and the leader of the opposition of Lok Sabha. Right? Is the election commission or CEC a far more fundamental and important institution than the head of the CBI or not? Obviously, yes. And again, as uh, Dr. Kureshi said, uh, it is about the credibility, right? I mean, also that provides greater authority to the commission, whoever is in that position, because that person has been appointed after agreement across the political lines. So now, they cannot come and now say that you are being partial because they, they were the people who appointed this person. So it has way higher level of independence. I would completely agree. We should have done that. Now, if, if I may add, this is a good point he has made. Now, CIC, Information Commissioner, CVC, they are not constitutional bodies, they are statutory bodies, but they are appointed through collegium. And director of CBI, funnily enough, is not even a constitutional or a statutory body. He is head of a department, like the director of agriculture, director of animal husbandry, is director of CBI. Now, because of its importance, Supreme Court, in its wisdom, made this uh, rule about uh, collegium. Supreme Court, in its wisdom, what has happened to that wisdom in the case of the CEC and the election commissioner? Why do we have our priorities uh, upside down? Absolutely. So on, on that constructive note, uh, we'll wrap up this discussion. Uh, I thank both of you for joining us. 